you know, uh, sibling rivalry is something that will always exist until the Lord comes. And sometimes it's worse than others. I know I had a friend who said he was the younger brother, by the way. He was the, he was the younger of two. And he would go up to his older brother. And since my brother Campbell is up here, I'll just, I'll just use this maybe as a little illustration. He would go up and he'd say, his name was Ben. He'd say, hey, Michael, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Ben, stop. I, what? I'm not doing anything. I'm not touching you. Stop it. Yes, you are. But I'm not, you, you know, you, probably some of you have done that in this room. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. Uh, but some of you have done something like that. Or, you know, maybe you had a sister and you liked to walk by and pull down on her ponytail or something. Stop that. I didn't do anything, you know. Uh, you know, so, some things that are annoying, but they don't have too bad of consequences, I suppose. Um, now, I didn't grow up with any brothers and sisters. I met my brother when he was five years old, and I was in college. And so, you know, there's a bit of a distance. I'm more like an uncle to him. Uh, but, you know, but I, I've heard a lot of interesting stories from friends that have, um, that have some siblings. But we're going to be looking at some interesting sibling dynamics today and what it has to do with, uh, with um, God and, and our relationship with him. And now that little thing jumped ahead, and I didn't even mean it to. There we go. Okay. Um, so. The, the story as it goes, we'll just run through it real quick. The story as it goes is Adam and Eve had two children that, that we hear about. They had a bunch of other ones, but we don't hear about them in detail. And they had these two brothers, Cain the oldest, Abel the second. And in the process of time, they bring some offerings. The way they bring their offerings determines God's reaction. And so God brings down fire from heaven to show that he accepts Abel's offering. And then when Cain looks at his offering, nothing's happening. And he gets upset. He gets really angry. And then God comes and talks to him. He tries to do a little pastoral counseling with Cain here. And, and unfortunately, it doesn't do any good. And Cain talks with Abel. They have one of those sibling rivalry conversations except this time it's not just I'm not touching you it's he kills him I don't know if he meant to but he does just in the heat of passion he kills his brother very very serious and at the end he and God have a conversation and Cain is banished from the presence of the Lord because of his rebellion he won't he will not repent now, this is a story that we hear since we're kids, right? Well, I just want to point out a few things from this story that really blew my mind, blessed me, and I hope it blesses you as well. So, when we go into this story, we have two different offerings, and the question is, why did God accept Cain, or Abel's offering and not Cain's? And we have a lot of explanations for this and we we actually use this in some interesting ways see often what we will say is that we will say well see 
this is an example of how we shouldn't have certain worship styles and etc. You know, we say that, you know, when we're not comfortable with the worship style, well, you know, Cain brought that offering of his own accord. And they're bringing an offering like Cain did. And this, and the Lord cannot accept this. And now, but however, I want to, I want to bring out something interest, interesting. And the fact is that that's not saying anything about a worship style. Cain wasn't there singing a song. He wasn't there, you know, standing up on the, on the platform in a certain way, uh, and not another. Uh, he, it was about the offering. The, the, and, and, and we even say that Cain's offering was a sin because he brought of the fruit of the ground. But I want to tell you something about this offering. That it wasn't just a, it wasn't a sin that he brought of the fruit of the ground because, you know, all the way through the Bible, it talks about offerings like this being accepted. We're offering our first fruits. That's, that's what the Israelites did. So what is the deal about Cain's offering? The deal about Cain's offering is that he did not include a slain lamb in the offering. He didn't have any blood mingled with his offering, and therefore he was disregarding the sacrifice pointing to the Messiah. That's where Cain's sin was. That's why God accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's. And so when we look at this, think about this. What we need to see about this today, it's not differences in this thing and this thing, this detail and this thing. The difference is somebody came to worship that day accepting Jesus Christ and somebody else didn't. And that's a big problem. Abel came saying, I believe in the sacrifice, Lord. I believe in the sacrifice. And Cain came and he said, you know what? I'm not all about that. I'm going to do you a favor, God, and I'm going to give you some food. But I'm not all about that whole sacrifice thing. You know, that's messy. I wouldn't want to slay a lamb, would you? I don't think so. That's messy. But they had to do it because that's what pointed to Jesus. And, but Cain decided he would disregard the promised sacrifice. And so we're setting this up. Okay, so friends, when you're looking into this story, as we keep going, here are two people, one who accepted the promise of the Messiah and one who didn't. Okay, so this is where we're at. This is where we're going. And it's going to get even more interesting. Okay, so a different look at Genesis 4. So as we go, 4-7, as we go a little bit further, I told you that Cain gets angry at this whole not being accepted and Abel was accepted. He thought, I can give my own offering and not include what God has asked and everything will be okay. And then you get to where God is doing some of his pastoral counseling. He's like, listen up, Cain. I need to tell you a few things. You got to watch out. Now, the, the common reading for this is, and, and you can see it in your Bible, Genesis 4-7, if you do well, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And I believe that this was why God wanted to come to Cain, because he knew Cain was just on the verge of some really scary things. He knew the result of Cain's anger would be Abel's death. And he wanted to stop him from this. But I want to tell you something. And I'm going to be showing you some uh, 
some different slides here to suggest that this verse should be understood in a little bit of a different way. And this really blew my mind, folks. And this is the major reason why I wanted to have these slides today is because a lot of the, the, the keynote of this passage, it really hinges on this verse and us understanding this verse. I want to show you, as I've looked at the text and I've been doing some, some translation work, I want to show you what I think the text, how it should be nuanced here. Another possible translation, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, a sin offering lies at the door. But his desire is for you, and you will rule over him. And some of you are like, whoa, hold on a second. What? What are you talking about? All right. Stay buckled up. All right. Uh, just stick with me. I just want to show you that, and I'm going to, I'm going to show you why I'm thinking this, okay? Why the difference? Sin offering? What are you talking about? Sin offering? It's just sin, right? In the English, boom, it's sin. But the word that Moses used, the word that he uses is a word that can mean sin or sin offering, and the context determines what it is. Which one? And so what's the context? The context is them giving offerings, right? And out of all of the times that Moses uses this word in his books, every time it's in the context of an offering given, it means sin offering. This is a very interesting thing. It brings kind of a new dimension to what's going on in Genesis 4. But that's not all. The, the, the what door? Where is this sin offering lying down? Patriarchs and Prophets says that the Garden of Eden remained upon the earth long after man had become an outcast from its pleasant paths. At the cherubim-guarded gate or door, okay, the cherubim-guarded door of paradise, the divine glory was revealed. Hither Adam came and his sons came to worship God. And a little bit of that isn't, uh, somehow it got cut off there at the bottom, but the gist, you get it. So Adam and his family came to the door of the garden of paradise to worship God, to offer their sacrifices, to renew their vows of obedience to him, accepting his salvation. Okay, so door. But now, who does the he refer to that Pastor Scott and his craziness is talking about? Who does, to whom does the he in this text refer? I believe it refers to Abel. Why do I think it refers to Abel? Because Cain was enraged that his younger brother would be preferred by God before him. And some of you are like, really, is that? I just don't know. Think about it. You growing up with your siblings, if you were the older one and the younger one, the parents went up to the younger one and said, boy, you're just being such a good kid and you know, really praising the younger one, but you did something to get yourself in trouble. You'd be pretty upset because as the younger one, you're supposed to be the one that shows the way for the older one shows the way for the younger ones. And especially in this culture, friends, it's a huge thing. They had this big, big 
these big expectations for the firstborn. The firstborn received a double portion of inheritance. The firstborn was the leader of all the children. The firstborn was a very big position to have. And so he was angry when Abel was preferred before him. And there are some texts still from patriarchs and prophets. As the eldest, Cain felt above being admonished by his brother and despised his counsel. And again, reason and conscience told him that Abel was in the right, but he was enraged that one who had been wont to heed his counsel should now presume to disagree with him. Interesting stuff. So, so what we've got is we've got Cain being very upset at Abel being preferred before him. And he wants to have his place back as the leader. He doesn't want Abel to be able to, to be honored above him. But now, what about this desire thing? I want to show you something. This is, this is like the icing on the cake for me. And some of you are going to throw a hymnal at me about what I'm going to put up here. Because you're going to say, why are you putting up all those scribbles up on, up on the screen? What are you doing? Well, just bear with me here, okay? I don't, I don't do this. I don't do this all the time, folks. But I thought something this important, I need to do it. And some of you are going to really appreciate it and say, wow, he's putting it up on the board. And some of you are going to say, oh, my goodness, the scribbles. It's all Greek to me. No, it's all Hebrew to you. And it's all Hebrew to me, too. Okay. Uh, so what we have is something interesting. All right. Where's my little thing here? All right. You see right up here, Genesis 4, 7. You know, it says, his desire is for you and you will rule over him. Does that sound familiar at all to you? Does that sound familiar, Brother Campbell? I heard a yes. Well, I already gave it away, but Genesis 3.16 has something very interesting. Do you happen to remember what was going on in Genesis 3.16? Anybody at all? After they had sinned, and who was the one being spoken to? Eve, the woman, okay? And... This is obviously something that, uh, you know, husbands and wives, husbands, you just, you just let your wife read that text. <laughs> you just, don't, don't you go around, listen, <laughs> Genesis 3.16, no. Um, Genesis, but Genesis 3.16 says something interesting. Because of this sinful relation, and we've already been over this in one of our previous sermons, but this relationship um, became marred. And when you have a bunch of sinful people together, sometimes it's hard to get along. And so God set up something very important where the husband would be the lover and protector of the wife, that he would care for her as God cares for us, and that the wife would, as long as he was acting with God's character, be willing to let him be the leader of the home, the spiritual leader of the home. And so we have this interesting thing here where it says, and literally I say, and, and to your husband will be your desire, and he will rule over you, okay? But now I just want to show you a little something. Do you, now that's a little, that's harder to see than I thought it would be, but do you see the red in there? Do you see I, I changed some things to red? Does that look familiar to you, that one and that one, that one and that one, this one and this one, that one and that one? Actually, it's exactly the same sentence, exactly, except all of these little extra squiggly lines up here, that's saying he, okay, or you, like, and to you 
will be his desire and you will rule over him. And then into your husband will be your desire and he will rule over you. Very interesting. Blew my mind. And so why, why, why do I say that I think this verse is, we should understand it a different way? A big part is because of this. Moses and the other Bible writers don't do stuff like this just for fun. They don't have things looking exactly the same just oh, because it's just funny to do so. They do it because there's a reason. They're wanting to say without having to spend all of the wordiness saying, yeah, I remember back in Genesis 3, well, this was a similar situation. They don't do that. They do things, they, they package a ton of stuff in just a few words and in, in, in the fact that some things are similar to other places in the Bible. And so this is why I think uh, that God is telling Cain a little bit of a different message. See, imagine what Cain is going through. He's sitting down very angry and he's thinking about the offering and he's thinking about his brother, the offering and his brother. Ah, and he's, why did this happen? And then God, whether it was personally or he sent an angel or something, he comes and he says, hey, listen, why are you angry? What's the matter with you? No, I'm angry. Yeah, well, I know that. I know. I'm asking you why you're angry. Well, and he's mumbling all sorts of stuff, and he says, hey, if you do well, won't you be accepted? But even if you don't do well, this is the reason why I have given the sacrifices. A sin offering will lie at the door to make atonement for you. And you know about your brother? Don't worry about your brother because his desire is for you. He wants to follow you and you will rule over him. You just have to follow me first. This is what's going on in this exchange. And I'll tell you what, friends, this makes the story fit together so much better, at least in my mind. And it's very interesting, this, uh, this whole text thing. So, these are some different, uh, some different ways to understand this text. But now, if you don't believe me that this is about sibling stuff, I just want to show you another thing. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but this is, these, are, these are the verses after verse 7 that we just talked about, verses 8 through 11. And this is where... Cain does his dirty work of killing Abel, and then God talks with him about it. Well, I just want to make something else red for you. I don't know if you can see the, the red in there. Well, in those four verses, the phrase, your brother, is used six times. Once again, Moses and the Bible writers don't do this just for kicks. They do it for a reason. It's so unnecessary to say his brother, his brother, your brother, your brother, my brother, etc., 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 over and over again. He did it for a reason. He's like, you know, talked with Abel, his brother. Abel, his brother, and he killed him. You know, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? The voice of your brother's blood cries out, you know, over and over again, your brother, your brother. This is talking about brotherly relations. Cain was enraged at his brother. And because his brother stuck to doing what he knew was right and wouldn't conform to what Cain said to do, because he would not listen to Cain in his rebellion, Cain could not do anything else in his rage except kill his brother. 
and this and and this is something that that uh, patriarchs and prophets says also that the martyrs throughout history were killed because they would not yield to those trying to control them to do evil. Because no one can control you to do evil. No one can force you. You have to allow yourself to give in to their persecution. And, be, and, and every martyr that was killed on, throughout all the ages died a victor because it's the rage of a defeated foe that kills his enemy. Satan knows he can't win sometimes, so he just snuffs out the person's life, but this person is a victor. Now I want to just I want to just run through this one more time with these extra little things in here and see what you think. Adam and Eve, they bear two sons. Cain likes to grow things from the ground, Abel likes to tend to the flock. And then in the process of time, they bring offerings to the Lord. Now they've been bringing offerings with their dad. I mean, this is a normal thing, but Cain decides one day he's going to do something a little bit different. Cain has been frustrated at the fact that they were banished from the Garden of Eden. He's frustrated at how things are hard. And he murmurs against God. He doesn't really love God, and he's not thankful for the sacrifice. And so he's like, you know what? Have that, God. It's some of my best fruit, fruit of the ground. Some of the best things I've grown. Why don't you take that? And Abel comes up with a lamb representing the sacrifice of Jesus and places it on the altar like he knows they're supposed to. God accepts Abel's offering, does not accept Cain's. And Cain gets furious. He's furious at Abel. He's furious at God because he doesn't want to do the whole sacrifice thing. He doesn't feel like he needs God. So why should he have to, have to do this sacrifice acting like he's weak and needs salvation? And why does his brother think he's so big that he can do something other than what he says? And so God comes and he says, look, I know you're angry. I know that you don't like that I haven't respected your offering. And I know that you don't like that Abel is what's preferred before you. But just accept my sacrifice. It's there for you, whether you do well or whether you don't. My sacrifice is there to atone for your sins. And you know the whole thing about your brother. He wants to follow you. Follow me and he will follow you. Don't worry about that. And then Cain, letting his anger get the best of him, kills Abel. And it's such a paradox. He wants to be the one in charge of his brother, and yet he so easily kills him. He just wanted power and control, and that's what sin does. And Cain will not repent, and so he runs from the presence of the Lord. And we see throughout the rest of the history of Cain's descendants that he birthed a mighty and lost nation. The people that made the earth corrupt and made God have to destroy it. And it's all because he would not accept the sacrifice of the Lord. Friends, I don't know about you, but this brings the story more to light in the light of the gospel than I have ever seen it before. 
This isn't just about sin that you have to control on your own and all this kind of stuff that is often said. It's not about worship styles. It's not about this and that. This is about whether we are going to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ or not. Are we going to accept it or are we going to murmur at God and get upset at Him for the things that have happened in our lives? Are we going to say, you know what, I don't need this. I don't need this. This is no good. I'm strong enough to make this on my own. Are we? And then this also says that in, in connection with our relationship with God and whether we accept His sacrifice, all of that is bound up with how we react to our brothers and sisters. When Cain refused to accept Jesus Christ in the form of this sacrifice, he let himself have so much hatred for his brother, the one who grew up with him. They nursed at the same breasts. They grew up playing together. They were closer than close. They should have been. And he killed him. Friends, this tells me that when we are not where we need to be with the Lord, we are not going to be where we need to be with our brothers and sisters. And of course, vice versa. If we're not where we need to be with our brothers and sisters, we're not going to be where we need to be with the Lord. This story tells us our relationship with God and our relationship with our brothers and sisters is connected. Love for God and others go together. So make sure your heart is right with both. This is the essence of this story, friends. They go together. Make sure your heart is right with both. And so when you read this story, remember this is about this is about accepting the savior or not. This is about loving our brother or sister or not. And how fitting that on Communion Day, we could see this story in a fresh way. How fitting that now when we hear this, we have the chance to go. And if we have an issue, we can say, you know what? My heart's not right with you. I need to wash your feet. Will you wash mine? And after that, after you get what you need to get right, with God, with, with, your brother, with your brother or sister, then you can come and say, God, here I am. I may not be slaying a lamb and putting it on the altar, but I'm eating this communion because I'm looking back with every bit of faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that they looked forward with. And so my appeal to us today as we look at this story in Genesis 4 is to remember that love for God and others go together. Make sure your heart is right with both. So friends, we have this opportunity. We have this opportunity to go and wash feet. And you know what? Sometimes families need to wash each other's feet, don't they? Have mercy. Sometimes, maybe even coming to church today, you are a little bit snippety with each other. And you need to say, you know, honey, I, I, need to, I need to wash your feet. Well, you've got that chance right across the hall. You can, you can wash your wife or husband's or child's feet. You know, sometimes, parents, you have to say, I'm sorry to your kids and wash their feet. 
You know, it takes some lowering pride. I mean, think, if it was hard for Cain to lower his pride between he and his brother, man, that might be quite a bit harder to lower your pride as a parent, but sometimes you got to do it. And friends, down the hall in the respective rooms, we'll have ladies and, and men's foot washing. So this is your time outside of your family if you need to wash your brother's feet. Sister, if you need to wash your sister's feet, you can do so. Take advantage of this. Let's not make Cain's decision when we can make Abel's decision, when we can have peace with our brothers and sisters and peace with God, because it is abundantly provided. I'm going to pray for all of us, and then you are dismissed to go to do this ordinance, and you will come back afterwards, and we will take part in the emblems. Shall we pray together? Oh, Father, we believe that there is the opportunity of a sin offering, except it's not a physical lamb. See, this sin offering is the one that John, the, the revelator, saw standing in the courts of heaven, a lamb as though it had been slain. Lord, this lamb has been slain since the foundation of the earth, your word says. Throughout history, people were either looking forward or to or back. And we look back today and we say, yes, I make Abel's decision. I want to accept this sacrifice, whatever the cost. And yes, I want, to be men- I want my relationships with my brothers and sisters to be mended. I don't want anything to separate me from them. And you know, Father, when Jesus was standing on this earth, he said, being angry is just the first step toward murder. Have mercy on our souls. Let us not even hold anger. Anger comes for a reason, so let us deal with it instead of letting it simmer. Thank you, God, for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.